Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sloppy Lab. Uh, we have the, the OG team here on deck uh, again after a little bit of a, a reprisal. So, welcome, Quick Draw. How are you this evening? I am good. It's good to be back. And uh, was I gone for like a year? It feels like I've missed a lot. <laughs> at least a year at least a year yeah i think it was just one episode wasn't it just one uh it it does feel like there was a whole lot of life between now and then i don't know about uh but you but you so you were traveling for work yeah i was pretty busy week last week um got to catch the uh the vod of last week's show really exciting stuff i love the artifact weeks uh bummed that i i missed that one but um yeah, so it's I'm still getting back into Keyforge Brain. I haven't, I don't know if I, I played a couple matches the other day, um, but haven't played much the last two weeks. Nice, and uh, I I don't know if, um, from my own my own side I spent a good part of the last week uh, dealing with family being sick and then me being sick. So I still kind of have like a, uh, at this point I'd say it's a small throw pillow in my head instead of like a very large pillow, <laughs> but a little stuffy. But hopefully, hopefully we'll be all all good. <laughs> Send it out for for the nine thirty slot on Tuesdays. Can't miss it. Indeed, indeed. Perfect attendance. I think you have right. So far, uh, so far, <laughs> keeping it going. And oh, welcome, Zach. How are we doing? How are we doing? And uh, yeah, how about let's let's hit our announcements and then jump into the content. Um, uh, first Do up. It. I guess uh, I don't know. Do you want to? What's what's up? What do you, what do we got for announcements? Um, so we we were going to talk about an update. So we got an update on Swindle Team Event Four, um, progress report as you called it. Um, so uh, let's how do we put this? Um, the Sloppy Lab is is killing it. In the doppelganger, we are. I mean, not um, up to our moniker. <laughs> we are. We are not so sloppy in this one. This has been a lot of fun. Um, this is the doppelganger event we've talked about a few times. Um, I believe your team, Sloppy Lab Work, is now four zero. Is that right? We are yet to fully close the books on this round, but that is correct. With the partial result being decisive. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we are currently 3-0. Our last match is still up in the air. We just uh, have one more match from JDG tomorrow. Um, if he ties, then we win the week again since we're up currently. Um, so we could be, it's possible after this week, uh, the only two teams who have not had a single tie or loss yet out of, like, how many teams were there? 19, I think? It was large. Maybe even larger than that. Uh, I'd have to double check. But very, very cool. Uh, I, the way the scoring goes, you know, you... You don't necessarily guarantee to half all the undefeated folks each each round, right? Or the unwinning folks? I don't know. <laughs> been a super balanced event, like really crazy. Like I went into it thinking that the doppelgangers would have no chance, and they've just won at a much higher rate than I expected. Um, not like they're not above fifty percent, I don't think. But um, you know, a lot of the games have been like super competitive. Um, I think there, I think there's a few people myself included who have decks that I don't want to say they break the format, but they are like severe favorites against doppelgangers. And I think that was part of the fun of like choosing the decks is like, how do you manipulate like this limitation on the uh, arc values that you knew what you were going to be facing? Um, it's proven to do pretty well for me. Um, and then I've just had some, some good matchups on the other side. I, I think I've won two of my matches, um, 2-0. And then tied the one from this week. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's not, it's a, a surprising format. Like, I was curious about it when Karen came up with it. And um, it's been, like, remarkably good games and remarkably similar decks. Like, I know that's, like, the whole point. But then you still look at them and you're still amazed at, like, how many similarities these decks have. Like, whether it's specific cards or just, like, the way they play and the arc values. Like, it's it's super cool. Yeah, pleasantly, well, I don't know, pleasantly surprised, is that the right way of saying it? But su surprised at just how well it's it's gone and how well these matchups have played out. And I think, mm, I mean, 
leading into the topic of this evening, you know, they almost feel like, like sealed matches that are just really well balanced. Um, uh, at least, at least when you pick up some of the random ones off the, off the list. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll have like a, a larger retrospective at the end of the season. I know that our team's kind of thought a little bit on how we might break some, you no know, quote unquote, break the, uh, break the format going in. I feel like I had one deck that kind of played out how I was anticipating and another that did not at all. <laughs> so very interesting though. Uh, the one that did not plan out the way I was anticipating, I'd say the, the format broke me, right? I ended up with all these like really fair, interesting, grindy matchups, um, which is cool, which yeah. is like a nod to it, the format, right? By design. Yeah. I actually, um, in three, three matches, I've only played one of my decks because it's just been like, I, you know, I don't want to risk a loss because the other one, I, I looked at the doppelgangers of the other one that had a similar strategy going into it of like, what, how, like, which way to attack the format. Um, but I made the maybe mistake of picking a higher SAS deck. And with the higher SAS decks, there are fewer doppelgangers out there in that like um, standard deviation that they're looking for. So the matchups, I think, are a lot harder for the high SAS decks. So I've stuck with my lower SAS deck and done pretty well. The, the kind of last last two observations I'd make at this point, uh, I think we've really seen some of the house characteristics play out. Um, like my low SAS deck with logos that leans into its logos very heavily. It's like 98 of the 100 doppelgangers feature logos that do a similar thing and give those doppelgangers very uh, familiar feels, right? Um and I think related to that, uh, I almost want to say, I don't know if it's too early, but I want to say that um, disruption in in the deck you bring to this format might be a little bit of a trap because it leaves a lot of a lot of rope to uh, to hang yourself with in what the doppelgangers bring. Um, yeah. you know, see, see these decks that come with, you know, one Restringuntist and then they get paired up against, you know, the, the three X control the weak decks all for all season long. It's like, Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, like Rector, not tonight's deck. I was looking at the doppels and they're all scary matchups. Like that's not a high SAS deck, but it just does like very unique things. And I was just looking through the decks that it's matched up against. And I'm like, geez, this is like not a lot of fun matchups in there. If you're like looking for an easy win, there's just some real <laughs> bangers in there in like the 70 range. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that's fun. We'll continue the updates as we progress, I suppose. Uh, potentially even with some friendly fire next round. We'll see. Yeah. Looks like we might might be doing that. <laughs> and then announcement number um, two. Yeah. 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 You can. You got this one. This is uh, the graphic you have up here right now. Um, some exciting stuff this weekend for celebration. Yeah. Stole some of uh, Zox's work to showcase here. Putting together uh, this graphic on some of the content uh, that's being put out uh, in celebration of the Keyforge celebration. Uh, so folks listening at home, uh, maybe maybe Zaki can let us know the best way folks will can find this graphic. But uh, essentially what we're looking at is, um, you know, the different, different content creators and their uh, places of creation dissemination. Uh, <laughs> so we've got uh, Tabletap Royale, Wild Wormhole, One Star Peeps, Five Star Games, Call of Discovery, Amber Medes, Data Forge Stream, uh, Real Player One, the Epic Quest Blog, and uh, Archon's Corner. So all those folks, wonderful folks, going to be present at the celebration. And all I can say is, you lucky NARPs, we are not jealous at all. <laughs> yeah, the coolest thing I'm looking forward to is they said they're going to be doing a lot of um, like winds of exchange and unchained openings on stream. Mm -hmm. So um, really like the first look I think any of us are going to get at these new decks is going to be through these channels here this weekend, which is pretty awesome. Yep. So we'll uh, getting, getting notes from the, from the chat that this will be on, uh, on Reddit, on discords uh, around. We'll, we'll drop a link to it in the show notes uh, so you should have no shortage of opportunities to get this information leading up to the next uh, weekend. So if you're going down to the celebration, have fun. Uh, let us know how it goes. We are 
super, super not jealous. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, yeah I would love, love to hear. It, unfortunately. Yeah, I wish we could have sent a representative from the sloppy lab, but um, not to be. Not to be, not to be. Oh, and uh, and yeah, shout out from from Zotted, uh that uh, that Zotted and Zock, which are two very fun names, will be playing their ABR sealed uh, match oh, there. So yeah, that's actually that's a good call out. So another cool thing, like we always talk about ABR, um, the ABR league set up a thing this week where all the players who were going to Keyforge Celebration, um, if they were playing against each other in the matchups. Um, this week, they tried to pair them up for in-person sealed with either Winds of Exchange or Unchained. And there was actually a surprisingly large number of ABR games that are going to be played in person this weekend, um, including, it sounds like, Zodded and Zox. Yeah, yeah. Adding to the FOMO. The FOMO is real. I have uh, so I have family that's going to be in town, and I'm like, how many excuses could I possibly come up with <laughs> to uh, to get out? But yeah, super cool. Looking forward to hear about it. Um, oh, is Zocker Zotted worth more in Scrabble? That's a good question, Murph. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the numbers, uh, you can't play numbers in Scrabble. I mean, it's just cheating. 73 points for 73. Eesh. But um, also also a great segue because our, our topic this week is uh, sealed and we chose it uh, kind of by virtue of shadowing the uh, themes for ABR, right? So ABR is currently in week number, going into week number four. Am I right in saying that four? It was count of how many losses I have. That's what, how we know what week we're in. <laughs> You're breaking hearts in the uh, fantasy league. Quick draw. <laughs> One heart in the fantasy league. I probably broke my captain's heart though as well. Um, I, yeah, I, I checked. There's only one person who picked me. It's a guy I used to play with um, right at the start of the pandemic. Um, we played it online. He had like an online league, and I, I joined him like once a week. And I guess I impressed him enough that he, he chose me in ABR, and I'm very sorry. Um, I should have played more poorly whenever we were playing together. You would have known not to choose me in ABR. So, yeah, I think I'm like 0-3 uh, now. Um, so this is week four. Um, and we're going to play Sealed this week. Um, we have some topics we're going to talk about with Sealed. Um, I wanted to kind of bring up uh, some of the potential changes that I think are, are rumors at this point about how Sealed is going to play um, with Ghost Galaxy rules. Um, and so, yeah, um, let's let's get into it. So um, we've talked in the past about Triad, um, Best of One. We've talked about Adaptive. Um, so, like, we're going to talk about Sealed now. Um, what What do you look for? in a sealed deck as opposed to something that you like wouldn't look for in an archon or, or triad or, or something like that. Good question. I will tell you the number one thing that I look out for in a sealed deck um, is board control right now. Uh, pretty much above anything else. Uh, the one exception being if I'm opening up a deck and see, you know, let's say 18 to 20 pips, uh, 18 to 20 printed ammer, uh, you know, I'm almost always going towards going towards the board control. Yeah. Board control is huge and sealed. Like, I think that's partially why I never liked Worlds Collide that much, because as a set, I feel it has just below average C. And I played a lot of Worlds Collide sealed, and you just get so many underwhelming decks that can't handle a board. And um, it just felt disappointing i think a lot but board control is very important in sealed you know you're not normally going to be up against hyper efficient decks or these huge rush decks that you mentioned with like 18 to 20 pips those are pretty rare to pull in sealed um so you're relying on your board to reap a lot more and if you're relying on your board to reap then it stands to reason you want to remove your opponents so um like big creatures and creature control i think uh are probably better in sealed than they normally are um elsewhere in the game Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess a, I guess related to that, I, I mentioned to you earlier that uh, I've been playing a lot more sealed triad than I have in the past. It's a format that I've done a kind of a 180 on. I kind of I played it, I think, for the first time at the uh, kind of U.S. champs um, many moons ago. 
and uh, it was okay. It was interesting. It was all AOA. So you opened six six AOA decks, and then you made a triad from those six, and you presented those. Your opponent bans a house, uh, bans one of the decks based only on looking at the houses. Um, oh, I've been playing this a lot actually with with not tonight. Our sealed queen on the team, and uh, I find myself almost exclusively in banning, looking for those houses that are either going to make or manage a board uh, most effectively. Um, and that's cross yeah. yeah, when you mentioned playing sealed triad, it didn't even cross my mind that you can't see the list. Uh, I was really just kind of thinking, you know, like open three decks and then play a triad with them. Um, but you're allowed to look at the lists and just have the normal banning. So like, how much different is that? Like when you're, I mean, do you just always ban logos? Like... If you're playing Worlds Collide, you just always ban like the Star Alliance and Sorry and stuff. Like, how does it normally play out? Yeah, interesting. So I remember this event well, and it, the kind of the joke the joke was, oh, everybody just bans uh, Shadows. This is this is on the wake of, you know, AOA has just been released. Everybody's kind of in the oh, stealing is so great mindset. Um, you've got Ronnie's running around TMTPs, and folks are folks are saying, you know, insta ban the Shadows deck. No one's really thinking at that time, like ban, ban the logos. Um, I believe the person who won uh, was the one person who kind of went into that event thinking, I'm just going to ban logos, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough. And I'm not saying whether that, I, uh, that was right or right or not. I'm, I may even, may even be tempted to give, the, give a hairy eye to Brobnar in AOA Sealed. I'm not sure. Brobnar or even Sanctum. Um, yeah, mm, that might well, be... if you're staying in AOA, yeah, no, I think Sanctum and AOA can be really strong. Um, that's you know it could be very tough to play against in sealed. Um, so this kind of leads into our the next thing we wanted to talk about is about like what cards to look out for in sealed. Like what um, I guess I made a few lists here. I made a few lists of like which cards I find to be better in sealed than in Archon tend to overperform, and also cards that i am trying to constantly like play around or think about that i see my opponent has um obviously can't look at the list but when you see them come out or maybe if you're just um assuming that they might have these kind of things um so we each came up with the list and i thought some of the similarities were pretty interesting that we picked out kind of similar things here that we're looking for indeed so uh did you i'm curious did you order your list or are yours in no particular order they are uh, they are ordered, I guess, but it was not like a very scientific. It was very sloppy. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we can call them sloppily ordered. Yeah. Should we should we go through them five four three two one and build build a suspense and then have like a real clickbaity title uh, to our <laughs> yes <laughs> to our episode? Let's do that. Um, and so we're gonna look at you want to look at cards that get better in sealed than in Archon, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Start with number five. So, um, I'll I'll open us up, and this is a uh, kind of cheating. I'm making it more of like a wider trait. Um, I find that anything with skirmish, I think, is pretty solid and sealed. Like we're talking about maintaining a board and having some board control. Skirmish actually is, I, I you know I find it to be pretty strong and sealed. Whereas in normal games, you know, you're not fighting a ton. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm I like it. I think. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I have some some kind of themes on mine, so I don't in my list. Oh God, you know your list is great when you have to like uh, preface it with all these caveats, right? Um, so I tried to I tried to uh, hit on some exemplary examples uh, in my list, um, and number five is also a also has a slash. Um, it's not not a category, but a slash. So two cards here. And this kind of represents a category of things that are um, situational, that are, uh, let's say, that are, let's say they are usually fine, but situationally excellent. And the situation in which they are excellent is a lot more um, manageable to kind of set up in a hidden deck list environment. And so the thing that I put in this category is uh, Song of the Wild and or Ghost Hawk. Um, Song of the Wild, I, I think, is very often a discard uh, or play for no effect, minimal effect in open decklist Archon. Um, in, 
in hidden deck list sealed. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely cheating here um, with my with my caveats. But uh, in hidden deck list sealed, you know, you play out some of your little uh, little untamed dorks, and they fly under the radar. Um, you know, your druids and such are just kind of going to kind of sit there. And similarly for some of your other other kind of uh, uh, little dudes in other houses, you'll set them up next to each other to be uh, ghost hawked. Uh, and I think these two I've seen punch a lot harder in uh, a hidden decklist environment than an open decklist environment. So that's my number five. Yeah, uh, there's it's harder to generate amber in seal just because your deck's just not as fine tuned. And um, something like Song of the Wild. You know, maybe getting you like two to three or maybe four more amber could be a pretty big swing. But um, you're not going to tell me that you would hold Song of the Wild if you had a Ghost Hawk in your deck, would you? I I would not hold it hoping to draw the Ghost Hawk. Um, I might, and I I tend to be a little bit greedy in in some of for in some of these uh, situations. I might hold Song of the Wild if I've just played two or three uh, two or three dudes. Sometimes you have to be greedy and steal. Um, so, I mean, I have two minds of it here. Like, you may have to go for a big play like that if you can hit the home run. Um, on the other hand, I tend to not hold as many cards. There's some specific cards I'm going to mention in here that I would definitely hold in sealed. But um, because your deck's not as efficient, there's a lot more things that I would rather just discard and try to, like, get value when I can and just keep moving and not kind of chain myself with it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, number four. This one's this one's gonna hurt some people, I think. Uh, <laughs> for my number four, things that are better in steel than in, in Archon, uh, Worlds Collide, Brobnar. Um, and I think this is like mostly a commentary about C, like you talked about creature control and sealed. And I think Worlds Collide, Brobnar can generally offer some creature control, at least in fighting with big bodies in Worlds Collide that you don't normally have unless you have like a Harbinger of Doom or an Axiom of Grisk, maybe an Unnatural Selection. Um, but it's very easy to open up uh, a Worlds Collide deck that has, you know, like a six or seven C rating on, on decks to Keyforge that doesn't have a single wipe. And if you have some big bodies like Brobnar, um, even stuff like Berserker Slam, like Berserker Slam is a really good card in Sealed. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of decks that have two or three of those. So um, that's my choice for number four. It's just Worlds Clyde Brobnar in general. I I am gonna go on record too in saying that I think Worlds Clyde Brobnar gets a gets a bad rap, uh, especially uh, especially in sealed events. And yeah, um, comments from the chat here that at some point your bodies become not only not only expected amber for reap from reaping, but also your board control. And having that versatility, having kind of larger bodies that can have some staying powder kind of is is very impactful in these games. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my number four hits on a different category, uh, but is is related to this idea of boards mattering more, and that is Sir Bever. Sir Bever. So I was um I was looking for an example of a taunter that was tough to deal with. Right. And okay, everybody has their favorite, you know, four to six power taunter, but the lowly Sir Bever, Sir Bever comes out, sits there and reaps, provides some nice, uh, nice taunt slots for your, um, your high value creatures to nestle up to. And just nobody wants to fight into it. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. Yeah. So Sir Bever gets my four slot on this list. It's hard to stomach like fighting twice to kill something like that. Um, sometimes you have to do that with him. Um, I had another list, which I guess I'll just give a spoiler on it, like cards to look out for from your opponent. And one of the things I listed there was Taunt, because I feel like Taunt can be so pesky and sealed going up against it, especially if you don't have a ton of C. They just hide something really important behind it, and then no, like you know, fighting doesn't do much to it anymore. So Bever is a really good example of something that's going to have a little bit more staying power with the Taunt. Um, Lieutenant Kirker as well is another one that can stick around for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but that's definitely a great choice for an underrated card in Sealed. I was I was doing my best too to look for ones that, for cards that started out with a really low rating. So if, it, you know, I, I'm not sure. I bet Kirkar comes in at something like a 1.7 
Let's see. Yeah, that's probably about right. Um, but in sealed, it's going to perform a little bit better than that, I think. Um, I guess while you're looking that up, um, my number three is very closely related to this. I put Sanctum in general with armor, um, just because having armor in, you know, similar to the Brobnar, um, armor lets you stick around for a lot longer too. There, there, there could be a lot of like damage splash and and little small fights um, in sealed, um, but having that armor is just like so much more staying power. You know, you can fight off small creatures without even getting damaged sometimes. So um, that's my number three. Pretty similar to your choice of the Survivor, but um, just not the taunt, really about the armor. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. For Three for me, I, I was between a few different ones here. I went with Coward's End. Um, I could have gone for Axiom. Uh, the idea here, though, was uh, board wipes, removal, ones that are you're able to play around if you know that they're coming more effectively, but you might be disinclined to play around um, in, in hidden deck list sealed. So you're probably not going out of your way to damage your creatures just to play around cam- coward's end. Um, maybe you are, I don't know uh, if you have the read. Um, certainly for Axiom, you're probably, I mean, you're capturing if you can, but you may not be exalting with the, with the intent of dodging an Axiom. Um, but I like, I like the coward's end, uh, uh, because one, you're, we've already mentioned that you're probably you're probably fighting, so cowards and often often uh, comes out, clears their fresh batch of creatures, and then allows your previous fighters to now reap. Um, so that's very cool. Uh, and if you're in that mode of using your board, uh, you're hopefully able to shed down those chains. But this card is, uh, it's it's a tough one because it's you know. It's fine, even in open deckless sealed. It's even good. Um, I think it really does shine, um, especially in a hidden deckless world. Yeah, that's a really good choice. It's a card I definitely thought of um, when making this list. And you know, you talked about fighting and keeping the damage on you and turning it into a one-sided board wipe. And that kind of leads me into a point about when you play cross set sealed. I think there's a lot of different values as well. Like if you're playing cross set sealed. Then there's a lot of mass mutation mutant synergies that I would put up here as like, what you know, some of the best cards in this. Like you think about a Kurzap. If you're playing with a Kurzap in a mass mutation deck against something that has like no mutants in it, that's suddenly just an insanely good card. Like it's already really good in open, but it becomes so much better in those kind of um, in these matchups when C is at a premium and it turns it into a one-sided board wipe, similar to how Coward's End could be. Um, so definitely a good call there on the coward's end, mm-hmm. um, if you can lean into it. And my my sort of honorable mentions for the spot were kind of tremor and techno babble, uh, similar vein, um, maybe even better choices because uh, you're less likely to play around um, those high impact moments with them or less inclined, maybe. But yeah, anyway. um, I I don't know. Stun I feel has bit less value than i would like in sealed um just because i feel like the games are longer and you know a number of turns and i think you know you're not removing them so they're eventually going to come back and you know still do something to you whether that's a fight or a reap so um I, you know i don't really consider stuns and sealed something that i would particularly look for right on all right, so my number two is uh, I now I'm getting into the my top two are cards that are already amazing, but um, I just feel like they can really like just change a sealed match just on a dime. And number two for me is Key Charge. Um, I think we all agree at this point Key Charge is a great card, um, but having it in sealed, you know, being able to just swing a, a game like that on you know with a key cheat, and this is I think the easiest one to pull off in sealed, so that's why I gave it as my example. Um, it's just a total game changer. You know, like, you don't need the amber control if you have enough amber and you have a key charge. Um, so, you know, I've seen many sealed games decided by uh, a key charge. It's actually one of the cards I might hold in sealed, um, especially if I'm behind and know that I have a little bit of burst potential and untamed. Um, so I think it can definitely change how you play and um, is a, a big difference maker whether or not you draw it at the right time in sealed. That's really interesting. You know, this this is not one that that hit my radar uh, as singular list. I I see the I see the point. 
I don't know. I might be I might be less inclined to hold a key charge and sealed. But uh, I don't know. Playstyle thing. Maybe that's yeah. why. Uh, I don't know. I lose more it's games. A lot than I to do with like, <laughs> the situation you're in too. Like if you're, um, you know, if you're behind and it might be your only out, it mm -hmm. is a great out to have in a, in a sealed game. Um, if you're ahead, um, maybe you don't hold it as much. But um, you know, on the other hand, like they could have something like that to to really come back out of nowhere with that. You think like you could be up by a key or something like that, and all of a sudden they have like a, you know a big burst, a couple of Flaxias or a nature's call. And all of a sudden they have like seven Amber again and a key charge. And you thought you had this game in hand and you're done. The reach, the reach is not to go overlooked. Um, I mean, especially, especially if you're having a deck or playing a deck that is lighter on, lighter on Amber control or likely to fall behind on board, but can burst. Yeah. It can be, can be super, super impactful. Cool. All right, you're no, you're number two here. It's My number one. two, uh, which I guess we'll we'll segue over to uh, to your list as well. Uh, I picked interdimensional graft, and I I was between this and TMTP. Um, I actually think graft deserves a spot over TMTP uh, because of the support it has in logos. Um, so obviously, if you are able to archive it for the right moment uh, it's going to be even more impactful um, an interesting question whether you hold graft or TMTP in sealed um, it's situational but I, I'm probably more of the mindset of not not holding them um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah you, you hinted that um, this kind of leans into my list as well and I had Graft and TMTP as my number one spot. I couldn't decide, and I cheated, so I put them both in there. <laughs> um, but I think I might agree with you that Graft would, um, if I had to pick one I, here in the slot, I would go with Graft. And, um, you know, in Sealed, you're limited to your houses, and each house generally plays a role for you. And so there's very specific cards like Graft that do something that most other cards in that house don't do. And I think that can really make a huge difference. Like... You look at um, Unnatural Selection is a similar card in Untamed. Untamed doesn't normally have a ton of great creature control. Um, but when you have an Unnatural Selection in there, suddenly you have creature control in a house that already does other things well. It's, I think, a huge advantage. And so in this case, that would be some Amber Control in Logos, which, like you think about um, AOA Logos, for example. I don't know if it has any Amber Control at all except for Graft. Um, and... Even in, in Worlds Collide, you have like EDs and you have Info Exchange, um, but not much else. It, and I think the biggest thing with TMT, or, sorry, with Graft or TMTP, is when you're playing hidden lists, your opponent just doesn't know, like, they they're they're in a bad position already to think like, maybe they they shouldn't burst just because you might have it, but when you do have it and it punishes, like that's such a big swing in a in a sealed game. I think um, I yeah to me this is number one on like cards that just wreck it in uh in sealed yeah love it for all those reasons uh i give give a nod to cutthroat research and oof, one i would have missed from the chat fetch drones but we got to give our AOA oh. logos <laughs> dt some uh some love and i do have uh i do have a take that smarty pants uh maverick in logos which is kind of funny and uh <laughs> funny and neat um but, yeah Progenitor also says Odoak comes down and just screwed sometimes, but IG gets around that, um, just like Dataforge Stream says too. Um, I also want to go back to, um, I think it was the Vault Keeper sealed event from a few months ago. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up going 5-0 and with one deck that I got from that. It was a Worlds Collide deck. It was pretty sassy. Um, it didn't look like anything super special, but it had a graft, and it had an eddy. So like, you, you asked, like, do you hold the graft and sealed? And I would say only if I have some support for it. And having an eddy and ways to exhume the eddy is, like, enough support for me that I would probably hold the graft in that situation. And of those five games that I won with that deck that day, I think three of them were on the back of a graft that my opponent just, you know, couldn't... They, they, did, they couldn't do anything about it. You know, like, one situation, they had a Brend out, and they checked at seven, and I killed their Brend and played the graft and just like completely negated 
what that brand did and just it just it swung so many games like that deck is not a great deck but in sealed just having access to that graft with some synergy was just just yeah it was a major difference maker in that event was that a was that hidden deckless or open deckless mm-hmm. interesting interesting yeah. uh Let's let's talk about hidden in a second, hidden versus open. But you have a number one here on your list that we didn't talk I have number about one. Yet. I have a number one, and uh, and really some of these could have been in, in different orders. Um, but I do I do love me some cleansing wave. Cleansing wave gets my number one spot, um, and this is a nod to some of the things we've said before. You know, it's this card that is often fine when they know it's coming, and situationally can be just backbreaking. It plays into the idea that fighting is generally better in uh, in these sealed games than they are in your in your open archon games. So yeah, it doesn't seem like it's terribly difficult to set up a really good cleansing wave. You reclaim some of the kind of lost lost value uh, that you you kind of you know you sacrificed this reaping ability to fight and manage the board, and you kind of reclaim that with a cleansing wave. Um, but yeah, love this card, love it in Archon, love it in, uh, in Sealed, I think it's even better here, and, and it's a card where even, oof, uh, it's even, you know, it's, it's possible not to telegraph even when you're setting it up all game, just because some of the things that set it up well are natural to do in a, in a Sealed game. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, it's a cool choice. I didn't think about that one, but now that you mentioned that one, it reminds me of um, Glorious Few, which is one that I would strongly consider as a major candidate in Sealed, because like, that's one that maybe you can see them like leaning into it before they play it, and you're just like, oh crap, it's mm-hmm. a little too late. Like They have one creature out, I have like nine, and they're about to just gain a boatload on me. Um, but they're kind of a, a similar type where, you know, Sometimes you can set up for it pretty well. Sometimes you can disguise it, and it's just a massive burst in sealed, which we talked about being uh, really important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool one. Good one. Um, so, you know, all of this is about, like, hidden lists. Um, so I don't know if this is official. I don't know if this is just a rumor. Um, but I read last week that um, the sealed events at Celebration and possibly with Ghost Galaxy going forward could be open archon list sealed events um did you hear the same thing so you mentioned this and it was news to me when you mentioned it i haven't had a chance to look out look and see if i could corroborate one way or another um so news to me news to me if if anyone in the chat has some kind of confirmation or if they've heard the same thing i think it was in the sanctimonious discord i first read that um i checked out the tournament guide that they released last week it doesn't mention it um, it doesn't mention anything about like the Archon reviewing Archon list reviewing period for either Archon or Sealed. Um, so I don't know if it's if it's official one way or another, but um, it definitely got me thinking about how Sealed is going to change if you are allowed to look at their list before the game. Um, like, what is your gut reaction on that? Like, is this a good change or is this probably not a good change in your mind? Great question, and I think I would have answered very differently if you asked me two years ago or when I first started playing the game. Uh, when I first started, I think being able to not see the deck list made it maybe more maybe more luck uh, luck driven. And I've since reversed, uh, reversed that. <laughs> so gone almost 180. I think uh, you're testing your understanding of the environment more heavily with hidden deckless, I think you're adding an element to the game that is distinct from open list archon, right? So having hidden deckless gives you some room to maneuver and play into these outs and these potential haymaker turns that you um, might be able to use to overcome, you know, a deficit on deck or or turn or turn around a game. So I. I think it would be uh, a bummer in that you'd um, uh, lose something that sealed has, which you're kind of art that you to to kind of make it more similar to Archon, Open Archon. Um, that's my take. That's my take. 
What's your take? Yeah, I uh, I'm unsure still. Like I do think it takes away something that I enjoyed about um, the closed sealed, which is that you know you mentioned um, knowing the environment. You know, like understanding that if you're playing against uh, shadows from the first three sets, they very well could have a TMTP, and knowing like what is the what should I do here? Like what, not knowing if they have it in their deck or not, still having to make the right decision about um, how much to burst, um, or do you just take the risk and go through it and hope they don't have it? Um, I mean, you make those same kind of calculated gambles in a regular Archon game as well. Like, there's definitely times when you realize you're in a tough match in an Archon game and you know they have Team TP and it's early and you have a chance to burst and you have to take the gamble because you know that you are, uh, I guess, what do they say? You are the beatdown in that situation where you're just like, I've got to take my chances here to um, get myself back in a position to win. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to anyway. And um, so you always take those risks of whether or not they have those cards at the right time. Um, I think in sealed, not knowing that though, like I, I do feel like it adds a bit more strategy and layers to your plays, like not knowing what they could answer with, and you could be holding on to something that they don't know you have. And um, I think I've I've played some sealed games before where like I don't see their list, and um, they play like one card in a turn. And um, I think to myself, okay, well, they're not going to go back into that house next turn. Um, and then sure enough, like a turn later, they go right back into it and they play a card I did not expect them to, to be holding. And they held it. And, you know, it, it kind of has that like sort of bluffing feel to it. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I would have to try it. Um, I won't knock it until I try it. But my gut says I'd rather have the closed list sealed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I don't think there's a, there's really a wrong choice here. Um, my, my my kind of initial take is really driven on you know keeping keeping this thing that sealed has to sealed. Um, but I guess there's an interesting question there too. In does your position change or does your feeling change as you add layers of let's call it agency on top of sealed? Right. So there's there's sealed where you open one deck and that's it. You're playing this deck, um, right? Then there's sealed where you open some number of decks and you choose one to play. And then there's then there's alliance sealed, right? Where you open some number of decks and you construct a deck to play from the pods represented there. Yeah. So, um, are you? So you're saying, how, how does that change for you if you're playing like pods? Um, do you want to see the list then with pods? I think the closer I get to the closer I get to kind of high level archon approximating decks, the less that I the less I mind or the more I think I'd like to see the the deck list. I think that's my that's what I'm saying. Um and almost, you know, you you look at somebody playing a sealed deck from uh from AOA say right and if you open one deck and it's got um and it's got shadows in it you're like well you know they had one deck is there a is there a team tp in it you know whether or not you play around a tmtp in that deck is perhaps situational there might be some um some strategizing one way or another maybe even some room to bluff you move to like a uh a pick one from three and now you see shadows and you're like, well, there's probably a decent amount of stealing here. And then you look in an alliance, uh, an alliance sealed AOA list and you're, you're thinking, well, this is very likely at least a Ronnie or two and probably a TMTP. And I think as some of those become more certain, I mind less seeing the deck list um, only because I feel like you're, you're probably getting closer to an Archon experience, an open Archon experience um, yeah. in the gameplay. Gotcha. Um, we've talked about Lux Skill and Deck before on this show, um, which I, I don't know if it was first introduced by Time Shapers, but they had a really good podcast episode on it. Um, how do you feel this changes that that formula? If you're playing open list sealed as opposed to closed, does it change what you would assign to Lux Skill and Deck in a sealed game? Oof. I would I would think so. <laughs> How exactly it impacts, I am not 100% certain. Um, it's a complex question to think about. 
it is, and I think it, it gets down to, okay, gosh, they're, they're knowing that you have a TMTP in your list, right? It's still going to be correct for me to, to do a heavy burst in some situations and pray you don't have it, right? Not knowing that you have a, that you have, whether or not you have a TMTP in your list, it's probably going to be correct for me to play around it in some situations, though, though maybe more often, maybe more often incorrect. Um, I, I think that the balance shakes out, uh, I think the, the, there are lots of, lots of differences in the individual decisions. I'm really not sure how it nets out overall. Did you have kind of a, uh, initial, initial thought on how things shifted around? Cause like it's, it's hard because I think that on one hand, the luck goes down because you know, you know, you don't have to like play around an imaginary card that they don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, you just know you have, you have perfect information. So the luck I think goes down in that regard. But I think that the, you know, the, the matchup, it becomes much harder to win as the weaker deck. If the lists are open. I feel like if the lists are closed and you have a weaker deck, you have more chances to kind of surprise them and come up with something that, um, you know, gives you a chance. So in that regard, I think it kind of increases the luck as well. Luck being like, which deck did you did you open the better deck? So that's why it's such a complex question to me is that like, it's more than just like the individual game select scale deck. It's really about like the events, you know, like what did you open? Um, mm you still have that same skill element of like, here's a deck I've never seen before and I have to play with it. Um, but I, maybe the, maybe I'm saying the deck is, is higher. So maybe it's not the luck that, that goes up. It's the deck that goes up. So maybe the luck goes down, the skill stays about the same and the deck goes up. I guess I just, I kind of talked myself into to going <laughs> with that route. Yeah. I, I'd buy that. I'd buy that. I think there's a, there's, it feels like you want to lump, deck in with luck somehow but i think it's cleaner if you keep them separate um uh, though certainly you know which deck you end up with i mean there's an element of of let's say fortune uh wrapped up in that um but in terms of well well it, it it really is just deck um it really is just deck uh and then luck being how the deck plays out um, though you have less, you know, arguably, arguably, though I would say definitely uh, less control over uh, the gap in your deck in a particular matchup. I think that's a, a reasonable question, though, too, you know, given given three decks, three sealed decks, do you feel like you have reasonable chances to uh, open one that that puts you within striking distance of most players in the field. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think opening three is, is a really good balance with sealed. I think you should have something that is close enough to stay competitive in most of your games in open mm-hmm. three. Yeah. I, um, I like, I like the th- open three pick one. Um, I think, I do think that open one and then hope to go six rounds or, or eight rounds is asking a lot. Um, but yeah. but three three feels pretty good, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, cool. I I'm looking forward to playing a game, a seal game here. Um, but there was one more thing I wanted to touch on. One other topic. I don't know if you had anything else. Um, I briefly talked about cross set sealed makes a big difference. But like, I want to talk about a few cards that I think of when I, I think of cross set sealed and and how they make a big difference. I think it's Archon's Corner. There's a weekly sealed event usually at the same time that we're talking on the show right now and they let you bring any deck you want and i talked to a few people in that league and um it's always interesting hearing like you know most people bring mass mutation sometimes some people bring a world's collide some people bring like aoa or dark tidings um and there's definitely when you're playing cross set like that there's a lot of cards that have a much different value than they would if you're playing same set sealed i think most of us for our in-store experiences play same set sealed you know your store has Mm -hmm. like a box of world's collide and everybody gets one and you play um but when you're playing cross set like this um i mentioned kurzap earlier is a big one um vault's blessing is another one that is just could be devastating cross set sealed um but dark tidings has a lot of stuff too like um uh anything tide related like mecha buoy i feel like in sealed if you get it early 
with a little bit of tide control is like really tough to manage as a non-dark tidings player mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely you got any examples that you think of with this the tide ones definitely come to mind um i think there are some that maybe that maybe get worse i wonder uh like i like i, I love me some dusk witch i don't love playing dusk witch against a sea of blue blue enhanced cards uh, when there's like a splinter uh on the other side yeah. so some things get a little suspect in different environments um hmm. that's a good question uh, those come to mind. The the tide enhanced the tide uh, dependent cards definitely come to mind. Anything mutant related, like being able to play your Torado and not worry that a whole bunch of mutants are going to be reaping on the other side as well, is is really yeah. cool. Yeah, I feel like they just kind of started to introduce those um, set set specific stuffs later, like in Mass Mutation and Dark Tidings. There's not as many of them in the earlier sets, but like I could see. Um, uh, Axiom of Risk maybe being mm -hmm. in this category because Worlds Collide has a lot of capture and exalt, whereas like AOA, for example, outside of Sanctum has virtually no capture. Um, or not a ton of it, at least. So I, I could see that kind of being a one-sided card as well in some cases. I can uh, I can already hear uh, Murph getting ready with the fetch drones. Yeah. <laughs> 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 been burned by the fetch drones twice tonight yeah yeah um yeah no that's interesting and i i um as we were as we were been playing some more of this some of this um uh, sealed dryad um our our i won't say i won't say favorite out loud but polish teammate uh <laughs> um uh, the cross-set interactions are really interesting, right? So you have a, a Dark Tidings, a Mass Mutations, maybe uh, a Worlds Collide or AOA in the mix. And, you know, whether or not you've got the Tide to contend with uh, versus some of the other two sets is is actually really meaningful um, and can give even DT a boost over, uh, you know, the the banger MM deck that op you opened or what have you. So very cool. Yeah. I see that as a feature, not a bug. A lot of people say, like, you know, the tide is not fun if you don't have dark tidings in your deck. Uh, I mean, I disagree. Like, I, I think it is a balancing factor. Um, I think, you know, you can look at dark tidings and obviously see that most of the cards are weaker than mass mutation. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way towards dark tidings at all. You know, I love dark tidings. Um, but it adds an extra layer of strategy. And I think you're, you know, if you're cross set against it, I think people tend to raise more than they should. Um, but then there's exceptions like Mechabui, um, or Medicus Lacus, obviously. Um, things like that. You have to just know when you should be raising, and um, it's a lot less often than I think most people think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, did you have anything else on your list for this topic tonight? I think we covered it pretty well. Pretty well indeed. The centrifuges so get, spun them out. <laughs> so we get to play a game now. 